Good evening. Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager with the leadership team of Relate365.com here in a studio on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Nighttime is a program that's been developed so that you can unwind and think about things that are important to think about, perhaps even fall asleep while I'm talking. And while you sleep, to continue to think about important issues in life. So often we're surrounded by the meaningless. We go to sleep watching some murder mystery, the news, which is like a murder mystery. Some sports event that either went our way or went against us. So often we're so anxious when we go to sleep. I really think that... Before you go to sleep, you should do some thinking. And when you get up in the morning, continue those thoughts. I was reading a book recently by Bruce A. Baker, who is a pastor and a Bible teacher. It's published by one of my favorite publishing companies, the Grace Acres Press. It's the same publisher that's published several of my books. I do encourage you to go to graceacrespress.com and look at the books that they have as they're very carefully selected. Dr. Baker is somebody who is a pastor and a teacher who has told people about God's goodness for many years and taught theology to many people. Yet he's got ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And if you're not familiar with that disease, it's a tough disease to die from. And I do say it in that way. It's a tough disease to die from because you will die from it most likely. And in the process of dying, it's very difficult for those who love you to watch and for you to go through. It's interesting that we can even talk about terminal diseases and death on a program like this and expect anybody to listen to it. You can go to Relate365.com and you can look up our other program that we call Younger, Older. Believe it or not, I'm the older in that formula and I usually have a younger man in the studio with me and we sit across from the table and we talk to each other just like people should be doing in their homes. We talk about a variety of things. One of the younger men that I've been talking to is named Nate. Nate is a staff member here at Silver Birch Ranch. You can see what that's about by going to silverbirchranch.org if you're interested. And he came down with a terminal cancerous disease and is undergoing treatment, and we've decided to sit and talk through some things on a radio program and a podcast so that somebody who's actually going through cancer can talk to the world while he does that. Again, if you're interested, you need to go to Relate365.com and look up the program Younger and Older 
and look for some of those done with Dave and Nate. But tonight I want to talk to you about Bruce Baker and his book that he wrote called For Thou Art With Me. Subtitle is A Biblical Help for the Terminally Ill and Those Who Love Them. One of the chapters in the book he entitles The Gift of Time. I want to read a paragraph to you from that. He said this. Some people call this a curse, of course the ALS that he has. I call it a gift. It's a gift for two very important reasons. First, it leaves you no choice but to face the inevitable. And second, you've been given time to get ready. Now obviously all people, regardless of their health, have time to get ready. Everyone knows death is coming and everyone should be prepared for it. But really, who actually does that? It's a very profound thought. Said by one who knows that the disease that they have is terminal and that most likely that disease will take them, at least out of this world and into another. I find this book fascinating because there's a pastor who wrote it who is talking about things that he's talked about all his life and now he needs to either live what he talked about or deny it and he's living it. The idea of having a gift of time being one who is terminally ill I kept thinking about that. I said to myself as I was thinking and I'm not sure if talking to yourself is a smart or dumb idea but I said to myself, you have a terminal illness too. Well, in a way, you don't, but in a way you do, because you know you're going to die. You know at the end of the journey here on earth, you will die. And what Bruce Baker is saying is that there are people who have time to adjust their lives. They know they're going to die, so they're adjusting their lives today for the fact that they will not be here tomorrow. There are others who got up this morning, ate their breakfast, went out the door, and something happened to them where they died and they were totally unprepared for their death. Even though they knew that death was certain, they weren't prepared for it today. Bruce Baker sees this as a gift, that he has been given an opportunity to have some time where most likely he will die at the end of this sickness. So he can process information and do things in a way that really will be counted for eternity. I thank him for the writing of this book. It's interesting how often we as people don't really listen to what we know anyway, and we know we're going to die, and we know that God loves us, and we know there's eternity, and we know that a lot of the things in this life that we spend time on are meaningless and worthless, but we do it anyway. It's kind of like talking to a doctor that 
talks about the importance of eating healthy and then he invites you to a donut shop. Where you have milkshakes and donuts and everything else that he just got through telling you you shouldn't be eating. When you have a terminal disease and you're told that you have a terminal disease, you're obviously forced to think about what's next. My mom had several strokes and it was no doubt that the strokes would take her one day. I guess it could have been a heart attack or maybe she could have got hit by a truck or something, but most likely the strokes would have taken her. And I remember when she was at a rather frail point, I was trying to just make conversation with her. And she was a football fan and liked the Chicago teams and liked the Chicago Bears. I, on the other hand, used to be a Bear fan and converted to the archenemy Green Bay Packers. But she was up here and staying in Wisconsin and maintained her Bear fanhood. I remember one day I told her while she was in the nursing home that the bears were playing and she could watch it. She said she didn't want to, that that was unimportant to her. Now I lived with her all my life and when the bears or the cubs played she at least pretended to be interested. But as she was dying there was only one thing that was in really interesting to her and that was relationships she wanted her sons by her her grandchildren she wanted to be in the presence of God she had a long time to think about things as she laid in the bed and she made the decision that there'd be no resuscitation for her she wore a bracelet that said so She wasn't afraid to meet God. She was looking forward to it, and she was prepared for that day. Her husband had gone before her. When your spouse leave is, leaves you early, there's some lonely years on earth. And you look forward to that reunion with God and with them. She was no different. She had a terminal disease, and all of a sudden, relationships were all that was important. Bruce Baker, in his book, asks another question in one of his chapters. He asks, why are people afraid to die? A paragraph, he says this. I don't think I need to do a lot of convincing that, in general, people's primary fear is the fear of death. Have you ever wondered why that is? He goes on to say, human beings aren't afraid of death because it's uncommon. 100% of people die. <laughs> it's amazing when you read something that's that simple how profound it is. We live among people who are afraid to die, but death is common. 
And since death is common and since all men will die, you would think that we would be prepared for it when the time comes because we know it's going to come. Some people might be turning off this podcast about now because they don't want to have a downer tonight to go to sleep to. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The idea of death should not be a downer to anybody. Those who know that God created the world and loves them, they have understood that their sin has separated them from God and they have come to God and put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior or in God's family. And when they close their eyes in this world, they won't skip a beat. They'll be in another world. For the Bible tells us that to be absent from the body for those that are believers to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. During that unknown period of death, during those moments of transition from this life to the next, you won't be alone. Unless you don't know God and you've ignored Him and you desire to live life without Him. Then that moment might be pretty scary because not only aren't you prepared, but you are not going to be able to see God as your Father, as your Savior. You are not going to see Him as your provider. You will only see Him as judge. God never expected any of us to be perfect. That's not a requirement for being in His family. The only requirement is that we accept the fact that we're imperfect, needy, and place our trust and hope in his provision for us, which is Jesus Christ. It's available to everybody. It's interesting, though, that many people get this mixed up and think that Christianity is just a ticket. There's a time where you got to cash it in so you get to live in heaven for eternity and they don't live as if that ticket has any bearing on their life. Well, being in God's family is not a ticket. It's a relationship. If we were to adopt a child and the child would live in our house and they would come to our house and they would sleep there and get fed there and be cared for there but then always leave and always be involved in other people's lives and with other people and ignore us totally. They may be part of our family, but they're ignoring all the blessings of being a part of our family. When God allowed me into his family, he uses the idea of adoption. I have nothing to offer him. And since it's really all about God and not about Dave... When I close my eyes on this world, he's perfectly capable of continuing to take care of me, and he will. And those who love God, those who have placed their trust in Jesus as their Savior, they will enjoy an eternity with him, for the Bible makes it clear that he goes to prepare a place for us. Bruce Baker in the book For Thou Art With Me by Grace Acres Press 
has a chapter entitled, How Can I Lose My Fear of Death? One of the conclusions he comes to is simply by understanding the truth and not living your life full of lies. The truth is that everybody will die. That's the truth. The truth is that there is an eternity. That's the truth. The, the truth is that there's a God who loves you that you will stand before one day and he will either be your savior or your judge and that is the truth and you need to live within that. But you can also live your life believing lies. And if you live your life believing lies, there's some huge tragedies that are awaiting you. Bruce Baker tells the story of the RMS Lusitania, which was a ocean liner, a British ocean liner that was torpedoed by a German submarine on May 7th, 1915. He says that it appears that in an effort to minimize the panic, the captain, William Thomas Turner, decided to shade the truth a bit. In other words, he decided to lie to the people on board. Here is what happened in the exchange that we can read in history. A man named Eric Larson tells what happened as this took place. Laureate was standing within earshot of the bridge when he heard a woman call out to Captain Turner, her voice steady and calm. Captain, what do you wish us to do? Stay right where you are, madam. She's all right. Where do you get your information, she asked. From the engine room, madam, he said. But the engine room clearly had not told him such things. Apparently, he was seeking to calm the crowd below and avoid setting off a panicked race for the boats. Laureate and the woman now headed back toward the stern, and as they walked, they told other passengers what the captain had said. Second-class passenger Henry Needham may have encountered the pair, for he recalled that a passenger approaching from the direction of the bridge had shouted, The captain says the boats will not sink. The remark, Needham wrote, was greeted with cheers. I noticed many people who had been endeavoring to get a place in the boats turned away in apparent contentment. Turner's words merely confirmed what the passengers and crew already believed, or wanted to believe, that no torpedo could cause a ship mortal damage. The ship's purser and surgeon spent the moments after the two explosions calmly strolling along the boat deck, smoking cigarettes, assuring passengers that the ship was not in any danger. Bruce Baker goes on to say this. The captain told them what they wanted to hear. He didn't want anyone to be upset. Thus, no one headed for the lifeboats. As a result of the 1,959 passengers aboard the Louisitania, 1,198 perished. I think we can all agree that trying to make the people feel better by not telling them the truth was a dangerous strategy. 
You see, there are many people today who are living their lives in fear of death because they believed lies. They're going through life ignoring the lifeboat. Ignoring the fact that life has been torpedoed by this thing we call sin. That death is actually a reality and that permanent death, a separation from God for eternity, is something that can happen. If you're anxious tonight and worried tonight, then perhaps you have not understood God's love and you have not responded to his love. I invite you to do so. Because there is no cure for physical death. It will happen. It will happen to you. It will happen to me. One day, if you've listened to many of these nighttime programs, somehow you're going to hear word that Dave Wager died. He's no longer on this planet. When you hear that, I will be alive. More alive than I've ever been, probably. All the aches and pains of this life and all of the mental anguish that so easily happens to us will be over and I will be in the presence of one who can solve all problems, solves all problems, and who loves me enough to have sacrificed his only son for my well-being. You see, I don't think any of us were made originally to go through this death thing. This death thing that we have to go through is a separation thing. So one day, most likely, if my wife dies before me, I will need to be separated from her for a while until we're reunited in eternity. Or the other way around. I'm already separated from my mom and my dad. And just recently, we're separated from my wife's mom. I'm not saying that's tragic. That's normal. i tell you what is tragic. When there's no way to make the separation temporary. There are those who are separated from their loved ones and will be separated from them for eternity because they've rejected God and they've rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior. You might say, well, I don't think that's fair, and I might respond to you, it doesn't really matter what you think. You see, once again, in the beginning, God, not in the beginning, Dave. And since God is the creator and sustainer of all life, we need to respond to him and not tell him what he needs to do because he has already done it. See, the debt of sin, the separation, is something that Adam and Eve caused because of their disobedience. And if you've been listening to nighttime programs, you realize that choice is a critical component of love and that we have real choice and that real choice also brings real consequences. You again might say, well, why didn't God make it so that we have to obey him then and love him? Once again, I think you need to think that through a little more if that's how you think. 
If I make a computer love me or a robot love me, that's meaningless. The only way that love has any meaning is if I have real choice, and if I have real choice, then I also have to experience real consequences. And the real consequences of ignoring God, of not knowing Jesus as my Savior, is eternal separation from the only one that can give me hope. So I'm not here to tell people that they shouldn't fear death and that death is not a tragedy. It can be. But death is only a tragedy if we remain Christless, if we've chosen to ignore God and his gift and his offer. Otherwise, it's just a normal part of life and we translate from this life to another and are cared for all along the way. It's really quite interesting to think about that God right now is caring for the needs of Dave Wager. When I die, God will continue to care for the needs of Dave Wager. In essence, nothing will really change. What does change is the physical circumstances. What does change are those I'm around temporarily. That's why it is so important that we share the love of Christ with those that we love and are good friends because there are tragedies that take place, the tragedy of rejecting Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about just knowing who God is. Satan knows who God is. And there are some that are hoping, even praying, that their knowledge of the fact that there is a God is all they need to have and that that will take care of them. That's really not what it's about. It's about understanding our neediness, that we're needy people, and that God desires to meet that need through his son, Jesus, and bring us into his family where we can enjoy him for eternity. See, everything about life that's important is relational, and that's why when sin has separated us from God, that's the real tragedy. We were separated from a relationship that we were meant to be in, and since we can't have that relationship, we're miserable. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved that he gave. He didn't need to give to be God. He didn't need us to go to heaven. He wants us with him. We spend so much of our time living in the fantasy world of trying to be needed. We even live our lives here thinking that God needs us to accomplish something for him because he can't do it without us. Those are lies. It's a privilege to be a part of God's work. It's a privilege to be in his family. And being in his family has nothing to do with my merit. It has everything to do with his mercy and his grace and his provision. God does not need Dave Wager to be God. What a thrill it is to know that he loves me. And he loves you too. 
When I read the Bible, it's like reading words from my father who loves me and wants me to understand what I need to do in order to live the way that he meant life to be. I think Bruce Baker has got an excellent book that we've been talking about here for Thou Art With Me, a biblical help for the terminally ill and those who love them. You can get it at graceacrespress.com. I haven't really checked other outlets like Amazon or other places, but perhaps you can get it there as well. Death isn't unusual. It's not something we need to fear. Not if we fear God. In fact, we can look forward to the time when we close our eyes on this life and open them to something that will remain stable for the rest of eternity. And deep down in our hearts, we long for that stability. I thank you for once again choosing to spend a half hour with me on this program we call Nighttime. It's a production of the leadership team here at Relate365.com on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute, a division of Silver Birch Ranch. Good night.